0: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Today's episode is sponsored by my lit daily online yoga classes. This is an exclusive pass into my personal practice and program that I created from experience as a physical therapist and 20 years of developing my lit yoga methodology. There is a different class with me every day, including special monthly live streams. So you can feel your most lit up anytime and anywhere. Get a three-day free trial today by going to movementbylara.com and clicking daily classes. Let's get moving. Good movement and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a movement by Laura podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through safer and smarter movement patterns so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Today is Wednesday Q&A and I have a lot of questions here. I will try and get to some of them. You can ask me these questions directly on my Instagram, on my messages there, or you can email me at lara at movementbylara.com. Here we go. Starting off, best way to learn anatomy of movement. Well, the best way is to come to one of my (laughs) classes. I am doing an anatomy of movement tour in Europe in February. I will be in Dublin at Hot Yoga Dublin. I will be there on Thursday, February 6th, there is still open in that opening in that class. And that's an evening class at Hot Yoga Dublin. Then I will be doing a whole weekend, uh, mostly with yoga teachers. And that's already sold out. But Monday, February the 10th, I will be in Amsterdam in the evening. And then Wednesday, February 12th, I will be in London in the evening. And you can go to my um, link tree on my Instagram site to find that. My website might also have it but we are up doing we're up We're kind of upgrading my website right now so some of this stuff is not on there but you can always write me if you're not sure about where to find those those are anatomy of movement so that's how you you can do it in person with me i also have a online yoga teacher training coming up and you can do that even if you don't want to be a yoga teacher because you will learn a lot about the anatomy of movement What are some other ways? Well, go to a physical therapist, go to a kinesiologist, somebody who knows biomechanics. Those kind of trainings really, really set uh, the people up for a a deeper understanding of movement, of biomechanics, of physiology, of what's involved. So anatomy and movement is the umbrella under which um, you can really kind of decide what element of anatomy um, or movement that you want to focus on. But under, under that umbrella, there is functional anatomy, so understanding, not just, and so to to be clear, when I teach, I don't teach, teach just teach, this is the gluteus maximus, it attaches from here to here, and this is the action. That's kind of cool to learn, and you can learn that on apps, and that's wonderful, but you need to then be able to apply it. So why is the gluteus maximus so important? Did you know the gluteus maximus, 60% of it becomes the IT band? A lot of people don't know that then. So when you have IT band issues, maybe it's because you have weak gluteus maximus. So that's just, you know, one part of is understanding functional anatomy. So understanding where the muscles are, what they do and what their importance is. Then understanding, um, Neuroanatomy, like how the brain fires the and gives the signals to the muscles to fire. So they're gonna there's like sequential firing, like how you recruit these um, different motor neurons to fire in what order. Because sometimes it's not that a muscle is weak. So we can't just say, "Hey, the glutes are weak." Maybe they are, but maybe they aren't firing intelligently. So that's another part of it, another layer. They are being rec- they are delayed in being recruited. So you might be recruiting your low back before you recruit your glutes. So your low back is trying to get the hip in extension because it can do that. It can influence the hip because of its attachments. But is it the primary hip extender? No, it's not. So so it's knowing also like well when that's happening. How what do you do with that? And so there's all these different techniques in understanding. Do you try and inhibit the the bigger muscles that are being recruited first to try and get the other muscles working? So there's many, many layers. So how to best start? I would start with what interests you the most. Like looking at a human body in motion, does that really interest you? Well, then start to learn like kinematics or kinesiology, what's happening to move the body. If you're really interested in literally gross anatomy, like the anatomy itself, uh, start looking at um, anatomy books and functional anatomy books. So they'll have pictures of of dancers moving, and you get to get a sense of that. There's a wonderful—so a lot of people ask me about books that I recommend, and um, there are lots of them. I look at a lot of physical therapy books because I'm looking at movement and movement— Patterns that are inefficient or possibly or problematic that leads lead to injuries, but also look at optimizing movement for for people in general, but also specifically for athletes. But you don't have to go to there. You can look at like dance books. Uh, There's a wonderful art author that I often recommend, Blandine Calais Germain. That's it. And she uh, has a lot of dance books with wonderful drawings and explanation of what's happening. So putting it into the relevant, like understanding what's happening as in in this position of movement. People learn differently. Some people learn visually. Some people need to have like an in-person thing. And that's where I would come in handy. But I think there's just so many different ways to learn. Just start and see what lands for you and what makes you feel excited to learn more. So I hope that helps. There's so m- I could spend an entire episode on that. maybe I will, but there, there's the answer to the question. Do you have any lit trained teachers in the Chicagoland area? I do. I have a few. And they will be listed in our in our upcoming lit directory. As I mentioned, I'm redoing my website. And there will be a very, very robust directory for all people who have been trained by me and studios that are offering this type of training, uh, this type of class. And it'll be great. So you could do it based on location, based on a person, based on um, their experience with me. So this is also good to know if you do a teacher training with me, you will be listed in there and it'll be great for People to find you. You will be in charge of your listing. And in other words, you can put whatever you want on there. I'm not restricting it. It's kind of like Yoga Alliance does, it allows you to put whatever you want. You can list your studio, you can list your website, you can put your schedule on there. So it's really a a place for me to showcase. My teachers, people who've gone through my training, and that will be coming very soon. I promise. We're in the very late stages of it, and it's just uh, just a real. It's an upgrade on my current website, which is awesome, but just a way of connecting to other teachers. So look on that, please. Okay, so moving from a kick up, uh, I this is from. Sorry, I didn't even list those other two people. So the best way to learn anatomy and movement. Was from 0124MO. And the person who asked about the Chicagoland was A. Peters23. This is from H.J. Darty94 Moving from a kick up to press handstand, exercises for press. Well, I have all of those. If you take classes with me on my lit daily, every single class, we have what's called a reset. That entire reset is resetting and reorganizing the core, which is everything from your neck to the tops of your legs, essentially. It's organizing that so that you are finding or you know reestablishing a neutral spine, neutral pelvis, and then all the deep core muscles that surround the pelvis and the spine and the shoulder girdle, all of that is in the reset. So in that 10 to 15 minutes, you do that every day, you're gonna, and you're going to start to open up the back fascial line, which is a huge one for pressing. If you want to press... It is is strength for sure because you're lifting both feet at the same time, but it is so much about releasing some of that hold of the back fascial line. So the back fascial line, again, is the area... That runs over your skull, back of the neck, back of the your entire back, your glutes, your hamstrings, down into your calves and on to, you know into the feet to the toes. So any restriction along there is going to really really prevent you from getting into a um, press, much less into a handstand. So whenever you feel like you're getting trying to get in from dolphin to forearm balance or a standing L shape into a handstand. It, it is strength for sure, but there is also a lot of restriction in the back fascia. So that all the stuff that we do in my reset will do that. So what I would say is take my classes. And if you're really, you know, like love timelines, do it every single day and see what happens. Also in my foundation series on the the fourth one, I go through a sun citation L, which breaks down getting into a handstand a little bit, and that will help as well. So yeah, you have to work it every day, but you have to work all the parts. It's not just, oh, I got to get my arms stronger or my core. It's getting back to that anatomy and movement, how it all moves in synchronicity. If something is not moving well, why isn't it moving well? Is it not moving well in the joint? Is it not moving well because the muscles aren't firing sequentially and and quickly and intelligently? Is it not moving well because there isn't enough strength. Is there not enough power? they are not enough endurance. There's so many parts. Uh, yeah. And then of course, going going back to posture. If your posture is not great, it will affect everything else and it will really affect you getting on your hands because not if you have suboptimal standing posture, it totally translates when you're going upside down. So look at all those things, my friend. Lena VK says, why shouldn't the elbow go past the knee or thigh in a, in the prayer twisted crescent? Great question, Lena. So what she, um, I know, Lena, is on my on my online daily classes. And what I will often say is when you are in a twisted crescent, say your left leg is forward. If you're not familiar with twisted crescent with a prayer, it's your left leg is forward. Your knee is bent, you know, somewhere around not up to 90 degrees and your right leg is back and you're on, you're in a lunge. So your right leg is straight. You're on the right toes. And then you bring the right elbow onto the left thigh. So a lot of teachers have been taught to try and get that right elbow across on the outside of the thigh because they're setting a person up for possibly binding which is where say again your left leg is forward your right elbow is all the way on the outside of the left thigh you would you would tuck that right arm under your left thigh the left arm would go around your back and the hands would hook up is that a is that a good move i don't know maybe maybe not I, it's it just depends it depends for so many things like so many people will in the endeavor to do what the teacher is asking will lose the form and if you think about it um it's think it's it's like anything you learn whether it's learning a foreign language think about le- when you were learning handwriting when you were learning you repeat you repeat you repeat and you're consistent and you add some inconsistency to anything that you're working toward and you will have little bumps it won't be you're not going to be as efficient you're not going to be as effective so, the problem when, uh, so the way, I, the reason I cue to go onto the thigh and not across the thigh is I would say 90% of the people, maybe even if it's not 90, say it's 70%, that's still a majority of the people do not have the uh, r- thoracic rotation um, w- combined with that left hip flexion to. Keep a neutral spine and truly rotate around the axis of the spine, and get the right elbow all the way to the outside. So, what they'll tend to do is flex at the spine, whether it's a pure like uh, sagittal um, or AP anterior-posterior flexion, or a little lateral flexion. They add, but you can see the spine changes whether it, it rounds or whether it um, it curls left or right. It will change when people go on the outside because they just don't have enough. Range of motion there. Well, I can tell you from a PT standpoint, the way a disc protrudes, and I will let me just say this your disc protruding takes a lot of work. The discs are in there very snugly, they have a lot of protection. But the way a disc protrudes is by flexion and rotation. Um, so say somebody leans over a million times by bending and rounding in the back, and then they add a little rotation component. They reach over to get something and boom, the disc is, it protrudes or herniates. Does that happen You know, every day? No. And if you're strong, it's unlikely. It's not like, the, again, the, the disc is trying really hard to stay in place. But as a physical therapist, I am going to, if I know that motion produces the possibility of herniating a disc, I know that's not a probably great motion to do, right? It's just like standing on your head is really could possibly compress your disc, compress some of the the nerve the spinal nerves that come out of the um this the foramen. Do I why would I do that? So it's just kind of like eh, don't do the things that you know when done incorrectly over and over again, lead to some real problems. And more than anything, it is teaching, it's like life. It's teaching you to do something and just do it to get it done the way the teacher is telling you to, and you don't really care about the process of it. So all of these things, every single moment to moment, I think, in a movement practice like yoga, is it it gives you the opportunity to reframe and reshape the way you operate daily. Are you taking shortcuts? Are you doing just what somebody tells you to do even even if it's not necessarily functionally right or mentally right or emotionally the best? It, you know, I'm getting into a long kind of side sidebar here, so I don't want to go that way, but the main thing is that it's it's much better for keeping a neutral spine, neutral pelvis when you just think about putting the elbow on top of the thigh. I hope that makes sense. That was a very long answer. But um, yeah, you can tell I'm passionate about these things. Okay, so Madeline Sfard. is it preferable to be a yoga teacher before investing in, in your te- tra- teacher training to get the most out of it? I think she's asking about my teacher training. No, absolutely not. Um, I have a lot of yoga teachers who do my teacher trainings and they are honestly probably in no better position than someone who is not. And then sometimes it actually makes it harder because they're, I'm saying, do it if you're a teacher as well, because it will totally change your trajectory. It, to relearn something differently is sometimes even harder. So uh, you, there's no prerequisites. You, you will learn a lot no matter what your background is. I've had physical therapists. In fact, almost every one of my training, I have at least one physical therapist in. And yeah, so it's like it doesn't matter what your background is, whether you have a lot of knowledge or a little knowledge, you will you will benefit tremendously. So no, Madeline, definitely join us. I would love that. Um, Ava Atti. 80 what are some cues to give in place of, quote, relax your shoulders, shoulders away from your ears? So I think Ava is referring to when people are in down dog or when you're lifting your arms up overhead and teachers have parroted. And I do say parroted because they don't understand what they're, when you don't understand what you're saying, but you're just saying it, it's kind of, you're being a parrot um, and because that's what a parrot that typically is doing is like literally mimicking what you're saying. So the people, teachers have parroted this, this thing like when your arms are overhead and they see that the, there's not a lot of space between the shoulders and ears, they've said, Hey, relax the shoulders away from your ears or bring your shoulders away from your ears. And in fact um, that is not what you want because upper upward rotation of the scapula involves the upper trapezius and that is going to elevate the scapula. It's part of it. What you probably don't want is a lot of internal rotation, which can give you the same like look of kind of squishing your, the the upper shoulders into the ears. So I think that what we want is, uh, you know, what do you say instead of that? Well, I can't give you a cookbook answer because that's not the way I teach. What I do, what I teach is how to look at what you're seeing and cue to that. So if I saw somebody who was like really bringing the um, the scapula up by their ears and internally rotating in a way that I didn't really like, I would address that person individually. That is not what I see the majority of at all. I just don't. What I see is people pushing the ribs out to get their arms up. So they're using their ribs as a lever. So that kind of tightness in the shoulders can be remedied if you just move your ribs instead. So people get their arms up, not all the way up toward the ceiling, and then they start to feel some restrictions and then they move the ribs forward, project them forward. And as that lever goes forward, the arms go up more. So that's what I would address more. I would say, hold the ribs in and don't bring your arms all the way up overhead, but let the scapula slide up. Let it slide up because you want that freedom. That freedom of the scapula sliding on the ribs will ultimately allow the person to lift their arms up with a nice ro- upward rotation and without pushing their ribs forward. So I really address what I see, with, again, not like a cookie cutter kind of cues. I want people to understand, even if you're not a physical therapist, and I, my teachers, most many of them are not, they know, hey, that, that looks like you're using your ribs instead of using the glide of the scapula on the ribs. And they'll say, hey, bring your arms down a little bit, but hold the ribs steady and try and lift the sides of the body up. So I hope that helps. One last question from N.Y.R.E. Petite Jean. Lovely. How to teach stepping forward from down dog correctly. Well, I I don't know if there's not a correct um, way. What I think you're thinking of is like how to do it without bringing like lifting the hands up or so uh, this is a big one because people's back fascial line, which I was referencing that first question is going is often, or when I was talking about handstands is often going to be a big player in moving when you are flexed at the hips. So think about it. You've got this long line of fascia and then you bend at the hips and it's being pulled across the hinge point, which is across the low back into the tops of the hamstrings Well, that limits people so that when they're trying to step forward, you're actually increasing that angle even more and they just don't have it. They don't have the the room in the back fascia to allow that. So they'll lift their hands up or they'll kind of swing their foot out to the side to get it around because that's the body's way of figuring out how to do that. So what I would tell people to do is if they do all the warm up like we do in our Lit Daily then you will get more warm from the inside out and that you will start to be able to effectively step forward without using your hands and without compensating. There's a couple of things and it all depends, as always, it depends on the person in front of me or the people in front of me. So if I see it happening, like I taught yesterday, here's an example. I had 40 people in my class. I would say five of them are brand new to me. They were either visiting the studio or Um, or not. And then there's many more that were not, you know, 35 more that were not new to me that had practiced with me regularly. That helps a ton because if I have to manage 40 people who aren't familiar with my style, it's much different. It's a much different class. I have to go a lot slower and I can kind of generalize to the population, which can be helpful. So, but those five, I saw a few of them lifting up their hands when they would walk or hop forward But they were also bending a lot at the back when they were uh, folding for it. So I went up to a few of them and I said, try and keep your hands on the floor as you step. And don't worry if you step your feet all the way forward. But you will train yourself to open up your back fascia by doing that. So in other words, you're in down dog. Look forward. Don't pick up your hands, but step as far forward as you can And then you can lift your hands and kind of creep up the rest of the way, like tiptoe up the best of the way or whatever. But that first step up should be hands to the floor, lift in the core and step as far as you can using hip flexion. And so one woman was like, wow, that helps a lot. I've never been told that. So she actually had the room in her back fascia to do it. She just had the habit of always lifting up her hands. The second person did not have that back fascial opening. And so I recommended putting blocks under his hands to lift him up and give him more space. So it's like taking a parachute and kind of lifting it up more to actually give more space under which the feet can move. And that helped him tremendously. So those are just two techniques I used yesterday. But I would say is uh, take out, take use the language is so important. I also don't say step or hop your feet to your hands ever. I, I, I don't remember the last time I've said that. And that is because I'm giving a person a goal that for many people, I'm, I'm excluding that, them as a possibility for doing that. So everything that comes out of my mouth, I want it to be as approachable and as doable for everyone, and I don't want it to be goal-oriented. Like, you must you know, step your feet to your hands. That's, that's hard to do for a lot of people. So what I'd instead say is step your feet far, as far forward as you can without lifting your hands. I'll say that a million times. So that is my um, recommendation, is just take the goal out of it, except the goal is to keep the hands on the floor. More questions, I will get to them, I promise. Thank you so much for continuing to write these questions. They're so fun for me to see, and um, I hope it helps you to hear them. Make sure that you write me at lara, L-A-R-A, at movementbylara.com if you want to um, ask me any questions that I'll bring onto the podcast, and also check out my daily classes at movementbylara.com because... The daily classes, just know every single movement in every single class is super intentional and it will help you move better and feel better. And as always, I'm pulling for you. Hugs from me to you.